0: picks for pace presented by the bear report your number one source for chicago bears draft news analysis scouting reports
1: and more
0: hosted by alex Blevin and andrew freeman
1: on
2: overtime, overtime media
1: welcome to picks for pace a chicago bears draft podcast presented by the bear report my name is andrew freeman and of course i'm joined by my co-host alex Fluffin. We are recording this episode on Monday, April twenty seventh, just following the twenty twenty NFL Draft. It was a really exciting weekend uh, with the draft. You know, even though it was handled differently, you know, with the virtual uh, television television broadcast this year with the coronavirus going on, I thought it was still a very fun time to watch and follow everything that happened this weekend, Thursday through Saturday. Uh, Alex, what were your thoughts on the draft as a whole and? Uh, this, just the overall presentation of it this year?
2: Yeah, I thought that uh, days one and two ran ran really smoothly, and I could see a, a lot of changes being implemented into dra- future drafts to make it a little more intimate like it was this year where you could really see them with their families and their genuine reactions rather than sitting at the tables and really the only time they were shown was after they already had their reaction to being picked. And while they were moping, while they're still on the clock and dropping in the draft, like Lamar Jackson had happen to him.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a big highlight of the uh, the television broadcast. Getting to see uh, the general managers get to work in their houses, you know, kind of uh, just brought more of a personal feel to it. I thought this year, which I thought was a pretty nice nice thing to add on there. I'd say the two highlights of that was one uh, showing Mike Vrabel uh, and his. Wacky! I don't know if that was his kids in in the background there, just trying to troll him in the background when the camera was on him. That was uh, definitely a highlight. And then uh, another one I liked was Bill O'Brien uh, when uh, the Lions nixed him on a trade. You get to see his reaction uh, after the fact. I, I thought those were two of the biggest highlights, and uh, those were pretty funny to watch for me uh, personally.
2: Yeah, Bill O'Brien, I thought maybe his internet connection cut out or something when he was throwing his hands up in the air.
1: Yeah, I, I was like, oh, man, that was classic Bill O'Brien right there. I thought that was um, pretty pretty funny to watch. And it kind of gives you some insight into the kind of the pressure and, uh, you know, what's going on with these general managers and uh, decision makers here in the draft. You know, this is a stressful time for these guys and uh, – You know, there's a lot of stuff going on that they have to worry about in the draft here. But overall, I think there was, you know, a lot of surprises in this draft, a lot of excitement here. And uh, I'm ready to start to break it down here with the Chicago Bears draft. So, you know, that kind of leads us into this episode. What we're going to be doing here is recapping this year's draft by looking at what the Bears did specifically with their seven draft picks for this year. So what we're going to do is we're going to go pick by pick, giving our thoughts on each prospect before grading the selections and the draft as a whole. So I know for me personally, when I'm grading a draft pick and a draft as a whole, you know, I grade each pick in three ways. I look at the draft value in terms of was the player a good talent for the round and pick that he was selected at. And I always look at the, the trades involved. You know, was there a trade up? Was there a trade down to get to that pick, um, etc. cetera. And, The second thing I look at is does the player address a need, both short term or long term, you know, with those higher picks, I usually like to find, you know, guys that can contribute right away. And then with the later picks on day three, that's when, for me personally, I think it's a better idea to look for guys that you think could contribute down the line in the future for you. More of those developmental special teams type of prospects there. And then, you know, the third thing I look at is who else was available at the time. So, those are the three things for me, Alex, you know, what was your mindset in terms of judging these picks and, and grading them out as a whole going forward here?
2: Yeah, I definitely took a, a similar route to you. I, I really did look at the uh, trades for uh, the two times we traded up or traded into, but I, the one thing I had to try and prevent myself from counting as a grade is um not trading down when there was a lot of players available. But that's something that I feel like uh, Ryan Pace and the rest of the Bears organization might have had a a better idea of where people are going off the board. And we don't have, we have the benefit of hindsight. So that's something I tried to not penalize for trading down, but that was hard for me at times due to uh, that being my mentality for the NFL draft.
1: Yeah, completely agreed there, and it's it's also funny because you know for this year with the virtual format going on, there were a lot less trades. It seemed like, especially early on, uh, in in the draft. Um, I don't know if that was just a, a you know a product of the draft all being done virtual, and all these all the GMs being at home, and um, you know not wanting to risk any technical issues in terms of making the trades there. But um, yeah, we don't obviously we don't know those things. We don't know how these GMs have their boards figured out. All we can do is kind of speculate on that. But, you know, I I think that's a good way to kind of transition to actually looking at the picks that the Bears had and, uh, you know, just precursing there. There were, you know, a lot of good selections that I think I liked in this draft, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. But before we get there, we're going to take our first break of the show with a word from our sponsor. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer, join me on the legends of the old west podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like wyatt Earp, bass reeves and the texas rangers outlaws like jesse james and butch and sundance and native american battles of the lakota comanche and apache we use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life subscribe for free on apple podcasts spotify
2: or wherever you're listening now
1: and we're back here at picks for pace so before we start, I think it's important to point out that, you know, we don't really know, obviously, how good any of these players are going to turn out. Obviously, you know, we haven't seen these guys in shoulder pads yet. We haven't seen them on the field in actual games playing at the highest level yet in the NFL. This is all a projection right now and based off of uh, how we evaluated each player and where we have them graded out as prospects. So, you know, players that we think could be good or, or that are going to be good draft picks for the Bears – could turn out to be bust, you know, players that we don't like as much could certainly surprise us and be good players for the bears. Uh, We just don't know, but I think it's always a good idea to kind of project these things and predict what's going to happen um, to give some proper analysis to these drafts. So just because we're down on a pick, I do want to say this before we get into it, that just because we're down on a player or a draft pick, it doesn't mean that we necessarily want that player to not succeed But again, it's just a thing where we have to stick to our evaluations when judging these things, and I think that's a good way to segue into the first pick that the Bears made, and that was drafting Cole Komet, tight end out of Notre Dame, with the 43rd overall selection in the second round. You know, I know for me personally, Alex, I was not very happy with this pick when I found this out uh, in real time, and I was actually pretty livid for the rest of the day um, when I found out that the Bears went in the, in this direction. You know, we've been talking about this tight end class pretty much all offseason, how it was a weaker tight end class, and that we didn't want the Bears to reach on a guy early on in this draft just to take a tight end and address that need. Obviously, tight end was a big need for the Bears this offseason, and they looked to address it here with Cole Komet, but what were your overall thoughts on on the selection here and uh, just wh- where do you think Cole Komet could contribute to the Bears going forward?
2: Yeah, I, I, I personally, I graded the pick a, a C plus. I was mad at the time, but as time went on, I was, uh, I became more and more okay with it. Perhaps I was mad at the time just because a lot of my draft crushes were still on the board at forty three, and I also had uh, dipped into some sports gambling and bet that Comet uh, wouldn't be a top forty three pick. And I also bet that the Bears wouldn't take a tight end in the second round. So there's a little bit of uh, double jeopardy for me there. But uh, the more I think about it, if Pace had maybe flipped the second, the two second round picks and took uh, Jalen Johnson at 43 and Cole Komet at 50, I think I would be a lot happier with the outcome, which at that point that just shows my You know, that's just a little bit of dumbness in my brain. I'm getting the same two players either way. So while it's not a great pick, you know, it's, it's, it's it's a need we need to address. Pace has been bad at evaluating two positions, quarterback and tight end. I trust him with the rest of the roster, but otherwise it's just been a revolving door of underperformance, especially with tight end. Year after year, he's overpaid for mediocre tight ends like Deion Sims, Burton and Graham, and as long as Cole Komet progresses to the point that Ryan Pace feels comfortable cutting Jimmy Graham next year, I I think it would be a, I think it's going to end up being a good pick. But if Komet isn't able to develop quick enough for that to happen, then it is something that could hurt us uh, in the future. But right now, he makes the Bears better. He makes the the tight end room better. And tight ends usually take two years to develop and hopefully in those two years, he becomes, rather than a second tight end option, he can become a tight end one for the future. So we don't need to see Ryan Pace fumble on himself off season after off season in the tight end room.
1: Yeah. I mean, tight end's been a, a really sore spot for the bears ever since Payne has taken over the GM spot here. And, um, you know, to me, I personally gave this uh, this pick a D plus. Kind of, uh, I kind of go back and forth between C minus and D plus depending on uh, what day it is and what kind of mood I'm in. Because, like I said, I, I was not a happy camper when this pick was made, and it's not necessarily because I think Comet is a bad player or that he'll be a bust. Um, quite, quite on the contrary, there. I, I just think it was a weak tight end draft, and you know, I just didn't want Ryan Pace to reach on a guy just to take a tight end. And this is the classic case of reaching to address a need. You don't want to do that, especially early on in the draft, where you're going to have some premium talent on the board for you. And that was the case for the Bears. The board fell pretty perfectly um, for the Bears with that first, second-round selection there. You had Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield, and KJ Hamler, all three players who were at a position of need for them, went out off the board in the next three picks. And then you even look at guys like Denzel Mims and Josh Jones were on the board, two first-round talents and to, and to me, Komet was a guy that I kind of saw him as a third-round talent. And I think there's a difference between, you know, a lot of Bears fans have tried to justify this, this pick, you know, especially on Twitter, by saying, well, at least the Bears got the best tight end in the class. And while he's the consensus top tight end in the class, you know, I would make the argument that, you know, for me personally, he's not my top, top tight end in this class. I would argue, though, that he's the safest tight end prospect. You know what you're going to get out of him. You have a pretty good idea of what he's gonna to project to be in the NFL and that his floor is pretty high as a prospect. So um it's still a pretty big reach, I think. But in terms of what Komet can offer to the Bears, both in the short term and the long term, I, I don't expect him to have a huge role in twenty twenty, just because like you said, tight ends they take a while to develop as NFL players. You're not gonna see his full potential in this offense, I think, until twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. But I think, you know, as Ryan Pace said in his post draft press conference, that Komet's going to fill that wide tight end role. Whereas Jimmy Graham was signed to play the U position that Trey Burton originally filled. Um, Komet has a very good build for playing that wide tight end position where he's more of an inline tight end. Um, he's a solid athlete, but not really spectacular there. He's got really good hands. So I think he's going to be a very reliable possession receiver in the middle of the field for this team, which. I think is going to definitely help the offense quite a bit there in terms of uh, keeping the chains moving and uh, just keeping the offense on schedule in the short passing game. He is not a very good blocker at this point though. He still needs a lot of polish there. You know, he's got the frame to be able to develop into that type of player, but he's just not a great blocker at this point. And as a wide tight end, you want somebody that can offer you some uh, ability as a blocker. So, you know, like most tight ends, he's probably not going to contribute much in terms of this season. Maybe he'll make a couple of plays here and there throughout the year that uh, will make you say, okay, he's, maybe he has something here for this team going forward. But we even saw with guys like TJ Hawkinson last season, who's one of the best tight end prospects we've seen in the last decade, other than a few games here and there and a couple of big plays, he really didn't offer much in his rookie year. So, um, so that's that's really what my main worry with Cole Komet there as a, as a prospect and drafting him this early. I will say, though, I think it's a pretty cool story with him being a local kid who went to Notre Dame. Um, it's kind of cool to have him drafted by his hometown team. So it was a really cool thing to see. After he got drafted, there was about 200 cars that drove by his house to congratulate him on being drafted. That's the type of stuff that – um it's really in terms of the human interest elements of it, th- that was something that I thought was a, a pretty fun thing to see there,
2: yeah, for sure. um yeah, his his hometown's my hometown, so i I it's kind of funny when I saw on bears the Bear's Twitter account posting out the video, and I didn't I had no idea where in Arlington Heights he lived, but then I saw my my buddy's house was in the corner. I was like,' oh, my buddy lives on the same block, apparently. So I th- I thought that was funny, and it was definitely cool to just see how happy he is to to be a bear. And hopefully, that means that if and when he lives up to his potential, then he would be willing to sign a, a longer term deal and fix this tight end room for the future for the Bears.
1: Yeah, and like I said before, you know, just because I'm down on Komet as a as a draft pick here, I obviously I want him to succeed not only as a, as a player, but, and for the bears, but it would just be really cool to see a, a hometown kid uh, be a successful player for his hometown team. That'd be something that would be uh, a really cool story, I think. And, you know, I think his ceiling is Kyle Rudolph tight end of the Minnesota Vikings. And if he can reach that ceiling, I'll feel pretty good about this pick in the long run. So I, I'm rooting for him. I'm I'm hoping that he can prove me wrong, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, because there is some talent to work with here at the very least though i think uh the tight end position they've done a pretty good job here ryan pace this offseason you know you can argue with the value of uh some of the things that they've done in terms of addressing tight end in this offseason but I-, I think it's a much better tight end room than what they had a, a year ago
2: yeah much better but that's not exactly a, a high bar to jump over
1: no, uh, definitely not. Not uh, So we'll move on then to the second second round pick that the Bears had at 50. There was some speculation on whether the Bears would be in best interest to try and move down a bit down the draft board and pick up some additional draft picks. But they decided to stay at 50. And they got one of my favorite players in this draft and Jalen Johnson cornerback out of Utah. Alex, what was uh, your initial thoughts when Jalen Johnson was picked? At fifty for the bears,,
2: uh, I was ecstatic. I was as I said earlier, I was a little upset i I lost some money and and went the opposite of my draft strategy right off the bat, so I was a little upset, but the Jalen Johnson pick really turned around my mood right away because he i mean he's a stud, he was the cornerback number four on my board, taking him at fifty seems like a steal there. He would have been my cornerback number three if it wasn't for his shoulder problems that's definitely sketchy and I can see why he would drop in an off season like this with COVID going on and less medicals uh being accessible but he was dominant all year playing through a torn labrum it's just if he's healthy or not and I I do think if he's healthy he'll take over the second cornerback spot by the end of the year I wouldn't be surprised if he actually takes that spot by the end of training camp, but he's a long, strong cornerback. He has the ability to cover legitimate wide receiver ones. That's something that not a lot of corners have the upside. There are corners who are better than him, but not all of them have the upside that he has to legitimately guard the Julio Joneses, the Antonio Browns, the, OBJs of the world. So that's something that is awesome to have on your team cuz he's extremely athletic and has a high football IQ. So keep him on the field and hopefully that shoulder heals up and he'll be helpful for the Bears for the years to come.
1: Yeah, like I mentioned before, Johnson, uh he was the guy for me that I really liked him in the pre-draft process throughout and f- for me he was a legitimate first-round talent. And I feel like the Bears, like you said, they got a steal here in the middle of the second round. He is the perfect replacement for Prince Unukamara in this defense that Chuck Pagano wants to run. Because when you look at the way that uh, Pagano and even going back to Vic Fangio uh, use their cornerbacks in this team, you know, Kyle Fuller loves to play off coverage and kind of anticipate where the quarterback is going to throw the ball and then jump on routes to get interceptions. While Prince and Mucamara played more of that press role, he was up, the line, up on the line of scrimmage, being physical with wide receivers, and making it tough for them to get off the line of scrimmage and uh, get into the routes. And that's exactly what Jalen Johnson is best at. He's a very physical press corner. Um, and that's where he's going to make his money in the NFL. And like you said, with the torn labrum, I, I think Bears fans are going to love Jalen Johnson because that toughness that he showed this last season, playing through a torn labrum, all throughout the year and not missing a game um I mean, us bears fans we love our players to go out there and play through injury and give it their all and uh, johnson's going to do that um again that shoulder is a bit of a question mark for me and you know i gave this pick an a personally the only reason it's not an a plus is just because i am concerned with his shoulder he's had three separate sh- surgeries in college to fix that both shoulders really so And with his physical playing style, you know, I I am a little bit concerned that maybe that might be a problem going forward for him. But, you know, to me, I think he's a day one starter for this defense at that second cornerback role on the boundary. Um, And he's a guy that has, like you said, he has legitimate cornerback one upside down the road. So once Kyle Fuller gets older and starts to age a bit and starts to decline as a player, Johnson could be a guy that can be. Uh, that replacement as the number one cornerback on the roster for this team long term and I, I think personally he's got a lot more upside than Prince ummara does uh, because Johnson has very good ball skills as well he's not just a physical press corner he has uh legitimate ability to take to take the ball away from opposing offenses he when they're throwing jump balls in his direction, he looks like a wide receiver there going up and getting those things so uh He's got a lot of talent, and again, the only reason it's down an A-plus here is just because I do have some slight concerns about the shoulders, but if he can uh, stay healthy, uh, this is a home run type of pick for Ryan Pace here. Really loves what he did in this spot.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I thought a trade was coming. I thought someone uh, was going to come up and try and take Denzel Mims, and I thought the Bears would jump on that with Diggs, fulton and jalen johnson on the board hoping that they could drop back and get one of those but i'm very happy that we stayed and we took our guy you know if if we took someone else at that position who wasn't a first round talent uh, i probably wouldn't be as happy with the fact that we didn't trade down but we we stuck in our spots and uh, jalen johnson was definitely a, a great value at 50 especially if he stays healthy
1: Yeah, and what did you grade this pick overall?
2: Yeah, I I said A plus on the player, A overall for for not trading down. But honestly, I'll 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 change it right now and give it an A plus overall because, like I said, uh, Fulton, I think he's a great corner. I don't think he has the upside that Johnson does, and I don't think I think similar with Diggs. I don't think Diggs is as polished as Johnson, and also I don't think Diggs is as athletic as Johnson. So. I'm I'm changing it from a overall to a plus overall. That that, that that pick is getting me more and more excited the more I look into Johnson.
1: Yeah, this this secondary is shaving up to be a very, very good unit, I think, overall. Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, and now Jalen Johnson. Uh with the pass rush additions of Robert Quinn earlier in this offseason, uh this defense has only gotten better and better, I think, uh throughout this offseason. Uh so The next pick that the Bears had was in the fifth round, so they had to wait quite a bit. Um, They had multiple picks there in the fifth round, as we'll get to. Um, But before we get into those picks, we're going to take our second break of the show with another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. We talked about the second round picks that the Bears had on day two of the NFL draft, and their next pick came in the fifth round. Now, originally, the Bears only had one pick in the fifth round at 163, but Pace decided to finally get aggressive here on day three of the drafts, and he was able to get three fifth-round picks here uh, with multiple trades in this round. So the first trade that he made was trading a future fourth-round pick to the Minnesota Vikings at pick 155 to select Travis Gibson, edge player out of Tulsa. Alex, what was what was your initial reaction to Gibson? And do you like the pick overall?
2: Yeah, um, I I noticed that some people were a little upset that the Bears gave up a a future fourth, but I don't think that that's an issue of price at all because that's that's a fair value trading into the fifth for a future fourth, and the Bears are on track to get four comp picks next year. While they're sixth and seventh round picks, it's that's still just extra ammunition the bears could use to move back into the fourth if if they want to but uh in terms of the player i i like it a lot i i'll give him a b plus i was never uh specifically asking for gibson but he is exactly what i was looking for for an edge in this draft i if we weren't able to get one of the top end talents like gross matos bon or uche i really wanted just a project player who is extremely athletic. And that's what he is. He has flashy traits. He's not, he's not close to being ready to play a big role in the NFL right now, but he can help the bears day one and has potential. So while he, while he's having significant snaps for the bears in 2020, I think that's a little bit of an issue, but he's perfect for when uh, Khalil Mack or Robert Quinn need breathers and need to sit out a series or just a couple snaps, then we could put in a guy like Gibson who's big and he's fast and he's strong, extremely high motor, and he can just work his ass off and make the opposing linemen work hard. And that's, that's what's most important. They can't, we can't allow the, the offensive linemen to catch their breath and kind of calm down while Max's not on the field. We noticed uh, Rodgers. Uh, taking all of his sweet time and having all of his big plays against the Bears during those those instances where Mac was off the field, but a guy like Gibson put him out there for a few snaps and just make the other team work, and and that's something that I I think he's capable of doing today, and hopefully uh, with two years under or two years as a backup to Quinn and Mac, he could develop some more technique because he doesn't have much technique right now. He's he's just a real raw pass rusher, but Hopefully he could develop into a starter at some point, but for right now I'm happy with just an athletic rotational guy with, with some upside going forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, you know, give up future draft capital to trade into a round in the draft, it better be for a premium position, either a quarterback offensive line or a pass rusher. And that's why I I like the pick overall. I I give it an A minus. And the only reason I'm not higher on this trade is that the deal is made with the Minnesota Vikings. So I, I would have probably given it an A or an A plus if the Vikings weren't the team that uh, the Bears traded with because you call me old school um, all you want or um, maybe a little bit paranoid, I guess. But I just, me personally, I don't like doing business within the division um, just on a, on a principal level. So um, that's the only thing that kind of missed me there. But um, Overall, while there were some safer edge prospects on the board, when you look at Curtis Weaver and Bradley Anai, for example, I, I thought none of those guys had the upside that Travis Gibson had um, available at this time. And, and Gibson, like you said, he's a raw player, but the upside is tremendous. Um, and I thought they got great value on him getting him in the fifth round, where I had him great. I was a fourth round talent. And we, when you look at him here from a physical perspective, six foot two. 260 pounds, and nearly 34-inch arms. So that is really good length for an edge rusher, and you need that length on the edge um, because that allows you to get into the tackle, get into his chest, and just dictate the terms of any rep, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. And he's a very explosive athlete as well. And, he, you know, when you look at some of the comparisons for him coming out of college – there were a lot of comparisons to Roy Robertson Harris when he was coming out of college. And it's kind of it, – they kind of do have similar frames, I, frames, I think, uh, because Gibson, you know, he's the type of guy to where if they want him to slim down a little bit to play offensive, outside linebacker, he can do that and still maintain good size on his body with that length and athleticism. Um, but if they want him to maybe kick inside to defensive end, maybe put on another 10 to 15 pounds – and be an undersized 3-4 defensive lineman to kind of be that sub-package inside pass rusher like Roy Robertson Harris is, he could do that as well. He has a frame to where he's very flexible in terms of what you want to do with him in terms of his body type. Uh, and what I, what I like about Gibson is that even though he played out of position in a 3-3-5 defense at Tulsa, in which you know sometimes he was playing 3-tack at defensive tackle at times to play in that defense, which is just not what he's going to do at all at the NFL level – But when he was rushing off the edge, you saw some of the special traits that he has. Uh, Long, athletic, he can bend at the top of his rush um, at times. And when he gets his bull rush going, it's really fun to watch because we've seen in the past year with Roy Robertson Harris that um, he has manhandled some offensive linemen um, on the inside there on some of those bull rushes. It's really fun to watch. and Gibson does the same thing um, to offensive tackles. And he's got a speed rush in his toolbox. He has a power rush in his toolbox. He just needs to learn how to use his hands and develop counter moves to his game in order to reach his ceiling. But that ceiling is very high, like you said. You know, I don't expect much out of him in year one, but the upside is through the roof. And I think he's going to the perfect spot for his development because he doesn't have to play a lot right away. And he can learn behind two of the most seasoned productive pass rushers in the NFL and Robert Coyne and Khalil Mack, which I I think that's invaluable. I think those guys are really going to help him out and really push his development forward to where, you know, maybe he might just be a guy who flashes a little bit in year one, but by year two or three, we could be looking at him as a special player in the rotation here on that edge rush, which I'm very excited for, very excited to see um, how he develops in this defense.
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I thought when we traded up that we were we were coming up to grab Curtis Weaver out of Boise State, but I I had I had Weaver graded as the higher prospect because I think he is a much better day one player. But the the more I dug into Gibson, I I was actually glad we took him over Weaver just because I think the the difference in ceiling one one has the ceiling of a starter and and one doesn't so. I'm glad with the fact that if we're giving up uh, future draft capital, that we have a guy who has the potential to start on future teams, and that's something that's important for me.
1: Yeah, and, and the advantage of Ryan Pace digging into future draft capital to kind of basically buy a dra- another draft pick for this year in this draft is that uh, he was able to stay at 163 and maintain that fifth round, the original fifth round selection that they had, and. When that pick eventually came around there, um, just about eight picks later, uh, Ryan Pace, I think, surprised many of us here by digging into the secondary and specifically digging into another quarterback um, to add to the roster, and that's Kendall Vildor, cornerback out of Georgia Southern, another small school prospect that we know Ryan Pace loves these type of guys. Very athletic player, um, kind of fits the mold of a slot cornerback, um alex what was your thoughts on the pick of vildor here at 163
2: i gave him a a grade of a b i can't say that uh vildor was ever on my my scouting report but i always trust pace with these type of picks he he really kills it with these uh later round smaller school guys but after the pick i I dug a lot more into kindle and i like his upside the the thing with me for him is is he able to contribute on special teams day one this year. I do think he has the athleticism to do that. And if he does, that would be huge because then he would be able to keep his spot on the fifty three man roster, probably be active for for the games and just be groomed to replace Scrine, who's getting older and take take Buster Screen's job in, in a year or two. And that would be awesome for the Bears just to. To have that natural progression for that position, and I I do like Vildor better than uh, Duke Shelley at, already at the position, and that that's something that that speaks volumes that Shelley is already looking to get transitioned into perhaps either just a special teams role or maybe over to safety with back to uh, back slot corners being taken later in the draft.
1: Yeah, you know, I like what you said about the special teams aspect of it because, you know, Ryan Pace said in his press conference that special teams was going to be a big deal for Vildor and, you know, with his role on the roster in the immediate future here. But like you said, he's the type of guy that has the upside to take control of that slot cornerback position once Buster Screen's contract comes up here within the next year or so. So when I look at Vildor as a prospect, you know, to me, when judging this pick, you know even though cornerback, especially slot cornerback to me, wasn't the biggest need at this portion of the draft, it is my opinion that when you look at offensive line, pass rusher, and cornerbacks, you can never have too many of those guys on your roster and on your depth chart. You want to get as much depth at those positions as possible, and especially at cornerback here because you know, these cornerbacks, they're smaller type of players in the NFL. They're going to get injured at some point, and you want to have guys that can step up and play at a high level in the secondary there, especially you know in today's NFL where it's a spread out passing lead for the most part, unless you're the Packers apparently, um, with some of their draft picks this year. Um, you know Teams are more geared towards passing the ball now, so you want to have as many corners as possible. So when I look at Vildor, he was a guy that held his own at the senior bowl, and when I watched him play a little bit, he was a little bit on my radar before the draft, but I was able to watch him a bit more after the draft. Um, I really like what I saw. He's a very athletic player. He's got a filled out frame at five foot 10, 191 pounds. And he plays very physically from the games that I've seen. So I think he's going to be a contributor on special teams right away. And he's going to compete with Duke Shelley for that starting slot cornerback role in the future, I think. And I like Duke Shelley a lot. I think he's a guy that has some upside here. But like I said, having more competition and depth at that slot corner position, it's definitely um, something that would benefit the Bears team going forward and kind of uh, adding more talent to that defense, which I, I think is something that it's going to be the strength of this team this upcoming season once again. And you want to make sure that in case injuries come up, that there's not a significant drop-off between your starters and your backups there. Um, so I thought it was a pretty good value overall. Um, I went with a little bit of a lower grade than you, though, at a B-. And it's not that I don't like the pick. I do like the pick quite a bit. But I did feel like there were some other positions that the Bears could have addressed that they haven't yet, particularly at safety and offensive line. Um, But I do like the pick, though. And like I said, I'm never going to get mad um, at adding more uh, draft picks to the cornerback room, especially on day three when you're looking for guys that can be depth for you, special teams value, and guys that can maybe develop into starters down the road um, in the future.
2: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more and it's it was interesting to just go from expecting one player in the fifth to to rattling off three. So the Bears actually traded uh with the Philadelphia Eagles their hundred and ninety-six, their two hundredth, and the and swapped sevenths with the Eagles to move up to one seventy-three to select Darnell Mooney out of a wide receiver out of Tulane. What were your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I, I really like Darnell Moody as a prospect. He's a very fun player to watch. And if it's me um saying this right off the bat, I think this might be the to steal of the draft for the Bears here uh with this selection. I, I absolutely love this pick. Um, you know, with Mooney here, there's gonna be a lot of attention going towards his speed, which is I think the biggest reason why Ryan Pace decided to trade up for Moody and add him to this roster because You know, after uh, releasing Taylor Gabriel in the offseason, the Bears, we look at the depth chart wide receiver while we've been saying this all offseason that even though we like the depth chart as a whole with who they have on the roster, that speed element was desperately needed to kind of complete this receiving core as a whole. And Moody adds that he ran 4.3840 at the combine, looked effortless doing it. Um, and that speed translates to when you watch him on film he's not just a workout warrior type of guy he is legitimately fast lightning fast on the field and he separates really easily on some of those deep uh, balls down the field but he's more than just a speed guy which is why I like him here Um, he's a very underrated route runner he's very quick in and out of his breaks and he seems to be a very smart player from the games that I've seen because he knows how to use leverage to his advantage in order to get open, and he has a very good understanding of coverages. How to sit into open zones and just he just knows how to get open, which I really like. And you know, going back to his speed, his separation speed is ridiculous. You know, there's the saying that if he's even, he's leaving. Um, for some of these wide receivers, when running those vertical routes, well, with Mooney, if he's leaving, and I mean, if you're a cornerback, you can pretty much kiss your chance of catching up to him goodbye because he's already gone. If he's even with you, there's no chance there. The play's over, he's getting by you, and all that matters at that point is whether the quarterback can throw an accurate ball and give him a chance to make a play. So, you know, there are some things to clean up with Mooney, though. He's a very undersized player at only about 5'9", 170 pounds at his playing weight, so he needs to get a little bit stronger, I think, in order to hold up in the NFL And he needs to clean up some concentration drops, you know. But otherwise, his hands are pretty solid. He does a pretty good job of going up and getting uh, the ball on some of those more inaccurate throws when he needs to jump up in the air and make an acrobatic catch. Um, But I think right away from Mooney here, he's a guy that's going to contribute in the offense from day one as a deep threat specialist, kind of in that Taylor Gabriel role. And, you know, I really like the pick. And, you know, there has been a precedent here with the Bears drafting two lane players. The last guy they drafted – from Tulane was Matt Forte in the second round from Tulane in the 2008 NFL draft. And, you know, I'll say that one worked out just fine. uh, I think Alex.
2: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. And I I graded this pick just fine. I, I gave it my second A plus of the day. I absolutely loved the trade here because I don't mind trading two six for a fifth at all and swapping sevenths at that point the seventh round is is such a crapshoot on who's valuing what it's it's unlikely that your guy is going to to go before you so odds are only one of the two six would make the team we know Mooney will and we know Mooney will make an impact so that was a trade that I loved and uh, Darnell Mooney is actually a player who I wrote an article back in November about the Bears potentially drafting him and I think he's a, a phenomenal fit for this offense. And I think he'll make a day one impact. Like you said, he ran the, the third fastest time at the combine. The only people that ran a faster 40 than him were Quez Watkins and Ruggs. And yes, he has a small frame, but I think he's a very crisp route runner, especially for how fast he's moving. I think he's a better route runner than Ruggs is. Obviously, he's not not the player that Ruggs is, but I think he's almost as fast and a better route runner. So I I think he's a day one help to this team. And I think he's a better fit than Taylor Gabriel is because Taylor Gabriel wasn't the smoothest route runner. So he wasn't really able to play out of the slot very well. We kind of had to get forced to the outside a bit, which is, which is tough for a smaller wide receiver. Your route tree is a lot more limited. So I'm glad that Mooney's in. He's a true slot guy, which that does, uh, have some redundancy with what Riley Ridley and Anthony Miller provide, but both of them are, are able to move outside if need be, and you can also have two receivers in the slot. And Mooney will help open up the field for us, which, which is extremely important for this naggy offense, is just to get some speed and open up the field a little bit.
1: Yeah, and that was something that the Bears were missing really over the last two years. You know, even Taylor Gabriel, while he was a solid deep threat option, um, he really didn't scare defense, I felt as a deep threat and Mooney's a guy that could scare defenses into um, spreading out the field a little bit vertically and giving more space to the Bears receivers underneath in the middle of the field. He's going to open up things for Graham and commit in the middle of the field as tight ends. He's going to open up things for Allen Robinson on the edges there. Um, while we may not see Mooney make a big impact in terms of the statistical measurement of what a wide receiver does in terms of what he does for opening up the offense from an intangible perspective there. Um, I, I think it's going to be uh, a very big impact, I think, for this offense and, and really help them out, especially if um, with Nick Foles coming in there as the quarterback, he's a very good deep ball thrower. And I think defense are going to have to respect that then um, because Mooney is a guy that could score a touchdown pretty much any single time uh, he goes out there on the field because he has that type of speed. Um, for this offense so I, I gave the pick an A the only reason it's not an A plus for me is because um, they did trade up and they gave up the pick in order to do it um, and you know there are some other guys on the board as well that could be that speed option like Quez Watkins although you know Quez Watkins has been my guy the entire um, off offseason period in terms of uh, a sleeper pick at wide receiver but I do think Mooney is a more versatile um, complete player at this point than Quez Watkins so um, I do like the pick you know love the pick actually and I'm really excited to see what Moody can do in this offense here coming up um, so those were the fifth round picks that Ryan Pace ha- had there in the draft. we are very high on these picks overall I think and that left him with two seventh round picks to complete this draft so uh, we're going to take our final break of the show and discuss those picks and the overall draft coming up soon but Uh, We're going to take this final break here with another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. So what we're going to do now is conclude the draft pick and grading these guys out um, for who Ryan Pace drafted here in this 2020 NFL draft for the Chicago Bears. And we're going to go to the seventh rounders here to complete this thing Um, at 226 and 227. uh, The Bears decided to draft Arlington Hambright, offensive lineman out of Colorado and Lachavius Simmons, offensive lineman out of Tennessee State. Um, And these were two guys we were talking to Alex while these picks were coming in. And I remember the first reaction, I don't know if it was you or me that sent the message to the other, but um, pretty much the reaction was, uh, who the heck is this? And um, there were some other players on the board that I think uh, we were both interested in, um, that we'd have liked to see Ryan Pace pick, but... You know what? You went with an offensive lineman and what are your thoughts overall on, uh, we'll start with Hambright here. What's your thought on the pick here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm never going to be one to complain about a seventh round pick because odds are they ain't going to be on the roster anyways. So it's more so just what Ryan Pace sees in these guys. If he maybe wants to see them switch positions or they aren't polished right now, maybe they will be. But with, with the, the two six, eight tackles, Trey Adams and Alex Taylor on the line, I was really hoping that we'd draft one or both of them and see if uh, Juan Castillo, our offensive line coach, was just able to develop one of them. But Pace went with a different route and he took an offensive tackle that he hopes to convert to offensive guard. And I, th- that's not a bad move either. I mean, he doesn't project to be an NFL tackle, but Perhaps he could be a bigger guard, and maybe that would make him play a little more physical than he did at tackle. Um, he's he's athletic, especially for a seventh round pick. His technique isn't great, so he's a project. But you know that this isn't a bad year to to have that project pick. We do need some help from uh, a guard, ideally. But I I think it would be easier to to fill that need with an NFL veteran who. Doesn't need to go through any of those growths, and with the interior offensive line being pretty young, a vet could be pretty nice there.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said before, i I had never heard of Arlington Hambright going into this draft, um, but like you said, I, I'm not you're never gonna get a, a negative grade for me in the seventh round, especially if you address the offensive line. And um, yeah, this is one of those guys that he has some traits. I went back and watched a couple of his, his games after the draft and he's a guy that even though he was playing left tackle you can kind of see what Ryan Pace uh, sees out of this guy as a guard he's very quick out of his stance and he plays with a non-stop motor which I, I really love he's going to play to the echo the whistle so to speak on every single rep and um, he's a pretty good athlete in space as well so you can kind of run those inside zone and outside zone concepts that the Bears like to run in the running game um, he doesn't possess the length to play off and the tackle but I do like his upside of guard and he's a one of those picks where, you know, you you get into your offensive line coach and you say, hey, see if you can make something out of it. And if not, you know, it's a seventh-round pick. You know, we took a flyer on a guy. Um, it is what it is. Um, then with Lachavius Simmons, I, I think it's pretty much the same thing. You know, for me personally, I, even after the draft, I wasn't really able to find anything on Simmons in terms of uh, game film. You know, I've seen a few clips here and there. But, you know, I've heard some good things about his physicality and versatility he played all over the line of scrimmage at Tennessee state there. So those are two traits that you like to see in an offensive lineman versatility and uh, playing with a physical edge to your game. So again, he's one of those guys that you hope that Castillo can work some magic here in terms of developing him and, you know, maybe get him on the practice squad for a year or two and see if he can develop into some depth on on the offensive line.
2: Yeah. I have two bullet points for him. And one was I couldn't find much film. And the second one, he's extremely versatile. So that's, that's, those are, those are the things that you can use to, to describe him at this moment. Hopefully maybe they, they put some more film out of him. And if not, we'll just have to wait and see how he performs and how he looks at training camp.
1: Yep. I mean, that's what it's all about. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that basically concludes um, every single draft pick. So the bears, they start with seven draft picks, they did some trades and they ended up with seven draft picks. So, um overall you know pretty good draft overall i think for the bears here and now we're going to be grading the draft as a whole and kind of summarizing things so you know at our twitter account we posted a fan poll that uh you know basically asking you bears fans to uh grade the pick or grade the draft as a whole and uh we got some uh interesting responses there and overall the res- end result being a b for this draft and Alex, I think we're pretty much in line with that sort of thinking here, uh, a solid B or around that area for this draft as a whole.
2: Yeah, well, I, I gave it the draft a, a B plus at the beginning. I, I was a little disappointed with the commit pick and not trading down, trading future draft capital, those three, three things I wouldn't have done personally. But looking at our draft haul after the fact, uh, that kind of proves to me that there's more than one way to to skin the skin a cat, as the saying goes. But the the Bears still have some holes. But like I said earlier, some of those holes might be better fit for a veteran, like bringing in a box safety who specializes in tackling, or bringing in an offensive guard who could come in and and push a feedie out of that starting role. That's that's something that could be extremely beneficial for the Bears and Perhaps they felt that those type of players would help the Bears more day one than taking someone at those positions in the draft. And I think they did a good job in grabbing people who have will be able to contribute to the Bears right away. I mean, you get two starters in Johnson and Komet, and then also you have two players you could kind of pencil in as rotational contributors with, with Mooney and Gibson. And that's extremely impressive given the fact that they only had two picks in the first 150 selections. So that that's what it comes down to me. And in the future, when you look at this draft in hindsight, you could you could bump this up to an A if Komet ends up uh, reaching his potential and ending this uh, mediocre tight end, uh, tight end carousel that's really been holding back the bears a little bit. So we have a well, well-rounded roster. I think we, we patched up a lot of the holes, and there's a few left, but we should have the have the cap space to finish that off.
1: Yep, you know, the question you have to ask yourself with any of these drafts is, at the end of the day, did your team get better? And, you know, I think the Bears definitely did get better with this draft, which is all you can really ask for. You know, for me, I gave it a B, and, you know, it's it's a very solid draft, considering that they didn't have a first-round pick. They didn't have a third-round pick, and they didn't have a fourth-round pick. Um, That's pretty impressive to say the least. And uh, you know, when I look at those, you know, those picks in general, though, when you look at it, you know, those picks were to get Khalil Mack and Nick Foles. So if you want to, you know, add those two players and say that, you know, by trading those draft picks, they got those two guys. um, You know, that could bump up the grade for me a little bit, maybe to a B plus, because Khalil Mack you know, he had a little bit of a down year in terms of getting sacks last season, but he's still one of the elite edge rushers in the game. And, you know, I'm obviously very happy to have him as Bear, and Well worth the draft picks given up and the price on his contract to keep him in Chicago. So I'd say that that's a positive there. And then Nick Foles, you know, we'll see if he can upgrade the quarterback room. If he can, then that's a good way to spend a fourth round pick, I think. So overall, uh, very high on this draft class. And now, uh, you know, getting back to the players that the Bears actually picked and the rookies that are going to be um, coming onto this roster now, you know, while I'm a bit down on the comet pick overall, I, I feel like the Bears addressed some major needs here in this draft, and they set themselves up very nicely going forward, I think, both short-term and long-term with some of the positions that uh, they were able to address in this in this draft. So when you consider that that they didn't have a first-round pick, you know, you're know, you getting two probable starters from day one here with Johnson and Komet, like you said, and then all three guys that they got in the fifth round, I feel like having high upside to be contributors down the road and uh, maybe even right away there, uh, especially look at Mooney. I think he's a guy that could have an immediate impact in this offense. And then like, you know, in the seventh round, you're throwing a couple darts at the offensive line late. You know, I I'm not going to go against that in any shape or form. You know, you want to add as much depth to the offensive line as possible and, if one of those guys can turn to a solid death piece for them, um, I'd say that's definitely a win in that scenario there. So overall, I think it was a good, solid, rock solid draft uh, for the Bears here. And I'm really excited to see these guys on the field later on in the off season, you know, whenever they got, these guys actually get on the field for training camp, whether it be in August or maybe September, you know, we'll kind of just kind of just see how that plays out. But Overall, very excited about the haul that they got here. Very solid jet draft for Ryan Pace. And um, yeah, we'll see how it all works out on the field. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Picks for Pace, Bears fans and draft enthusiasts alike. Uh, we plan on bringing you guys more draft recap content coming up in the upcoming weeks. So stay in tune for that. There is certainly a lot to talk about here across the NFL and for the Bears in general. So to stay up to date with the podcast, what, what we're going to be doing here. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, at Picks for Pace. And you can also follow our individual accounts as well. Uh, for me, you can follow me at Freeman 25 and that's capital A, lowercase j, capital F, um, 25. So, um, Alex, where can they uh, find you on Twitter?
2: They can, they can find me at uh, blessing33.
1: All right. And, uh, yeah, just thanks, guys, for tuning in. Um, And what were your guys' thoughts on the draft? We'd like to know. um, You can either do that on the comment board, um, on the Bear Report website, or when we post this on Twitter, you can let us know in the the Twitter thread below there. So uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in.
2: Thanks, guys. We look forward to bringing in some experts about maybe some of these draft picks going forward.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.